All right, Matt. So, it's been two, two long years here in Green Bay. We are ready to get back winning. And uh, it is my pleasure to introduce Matt LaFleur as the 15th head coach of the Green Bay Packers in our 100th season. Matt. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Officially official, all the I's have been dotted, T's have been crossed, and Green Bay Packers fans, you got your coach. It's done. You can take a deep breath. Matt LaFleur uh, introduced and inducted, I guess, today to the media and to fans, to reporters. Press conference was aired earlier. Maybe you tuned in here on WKTY. You could have heard it. Started about 3, wrapped up at about 3.40, about a 40-minute ordeal. Both uh, President and CEO Mark Murphy, General Manager Brian Gutekunst, sitting at the table alongside Matt LaFleur answering questions, talking about the process, all of that jazz, those ditty, uh, dirty, gritty details, most of them really, really boring. And that's why I'm not going to replay for you the entire press conference during today's Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. What we are going to do... And thank you for tuning in, by the way. Thanks for uh, hopping aboard. I'm your host, Grant Bills. What we are going to do today is take a listen to a couple of really interesting, important things. So I sat down. I was obviously uh, listening to the whole press conference, kind of watching, following along on Twitter, trying to pick out different things. And there were a couple questions and a couple answers that I thought were really pertinent. Right? We've all been listening to Bill Michaels and, you know, you hear Mike McCarthy go to the podium and it's 15 minutes of just tongue-in-cheek speak, coach speak, right? Just dealing with the media to get out of the way and you're like, I don't care. I don't care about all this. I don't care about Mike McCarthy's cliches or what he says about the game plan coming up. I'm interested in football. Well, today's press conference is obviously a little bit different, right? They're introducing a brand new coach, so there are some important things and some important uh, tidbits uh, that I dug through and I saved a couple of them. So we're going to get into that. Coming up here in about 10 minutes, I want to actually pull back the curtain and show you more importantly, I guess, play you uh, the voice of Mark Murphy and Matt LaFleur, the new head coach of the Green Bay Packers, and, and kind of show you a couple of those things. But I, I feel like we need to set it up first, right? We need to talk about what this press conference really means, because that's what's important. 608-796-2558. If at any point today you want to talk about anything that we're listening, that we're talking about, please hop aboard on the Five Star Telecom Talking Text Line. It's always fair game, whatever you want to say. Please don't cuss. Uh, but Mark Murphy didn't follow that advice today. Dropped the old BS word, I think trying to liven up the crowd a little bit. Uh, but unfortunately, we're not Mark Murphy, so we can't be doing that. We are not the president of one of the 32 NFL teams, so we really don't have that option. We can't swear. But other than that, 608-796-2558, you're welcome to join in today's press conference. Because if we just listen to the answers and talk about it without setting it up, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. Today's press conference was fanfare. It was bells and whistles. It was rolling out the red carpet for only the 15th coach in franchise history in 100 years. There haven't been a lot of men to coach the Green Bay Packers. That was more uh, more what it was about was Mark Murphy explaining the process and saying this is what we did. Brian Gutekunst obviously was here alongside me every step of the way. Here's how we arrived at this decision now. Here's the head coach. Ask him any questions you'd like. It was It was an introduction, right? We're not talking about game plan. We're not talking about personnel. Nobody came, nobody came up to the podium and said, hey, uh, uh, Matt LaFleur, are you interested in firing or keeping this assistant coach? Or, or, you know, naming names, naming players. There's 
very broad, right? Welcome to Green Bay. What are some big overarching ideas that you have? That's really all a press conference is. I mean, the coach isn't going to say, well, we're going to run this many percentage of run plays on Sunday, and we'd like to give Jamal Williams 15 to 23 touches, and we've noticed that this team is really weak in this position. We want to tag it. It does not go to that detail, right? It's a lot of cliches, a lot of big picture ideas. So that's kind of what we're going to jump into today. And it's really presentation and optics for the organization. Every word that was said into a microphone today, the way they were dressed, the table they were sitting at, the background behind them, the words that they said, everything was a reflection on the Green Bay Packers organization, right? So if Mark Murphy says something dumb, that reflects poorly on the Packers. If Brian Gutekinds comes across like a really sharp dude, people see that and say, wow, the Green Bay Packers have a really bright man in charge of personnel at the general manager position. It's all a reflection of the Green Bay Packers organization. So that's what we're really digging into today. So how are the Green Bay Packers represented today? I was paying attention to all three entities, whether it was Mark Murphy or Matt LaFleur, Brian Gutekinds, just trying to get a read, trying to get a little bit of a feeling for the pulse of how this team is working. Because remember, that organizational structure changed. It's no longer Mark Murphy handles the business, Ted Thompson handles all the football, whether it be personnel and coaching, all that. No, 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 no. Everybody's reporting to Mark Murphy. A little bit of a change. How is, how is that playing out? What did we notice from today's press conference? Well, I will say with Mark Murphy, and for those of you who watched the press conference or even listened, you'll know Mark Murphy, I, I, I think he kind of likes to talk. I'm not saying that as a negative. I'm not saying it as a positive. That's a characteristic of Mark Murphy. I, I think he likes to be the face and the voice of the Green Bay Packers. And while that's fun... While you like to be the big man in charge, that also bears a certain responsibility. And as we go down the line, if this coaching hire stinks, it should fall back on Mark Murphy because he was the end-all, be-all. He likes to be the face. He likes to talk. He likes to entertain and tell stories. None of this is a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Just an observation and a reflection of the Green Bay Packers organization. Mark Murphy likes to come across as a very extemporaneous speaker, meaning a little bit of a hearse. He's got some bullet points that he wants to touch, but he doesn't have it scripted out. He's not going off note cards. He is genuine. He's conversational. And while that's great, and I think it helps connect with fans, and really you come across as a, a real live person and not just a robot, not just a CEO of a huge corporation, but I think he gets himself in trouble a little bit. He A lot of ahs and ums, and he, at times he sounds unsure of himself or disorganized in the way that he wants to speak. Especially when he uses humor. I, I, I do think he likes to play to the crowd and get some laugh from the laughs from the reporters. And that's all fun and great. But sometimes, sometimes, especially from someone in a position of power, whether that be a head coach, general manager, CEO, president, whatever you want to call him, Mark Murphy. Sometimes when you joke and you, you, know, you make a little humor out of something to kind of lighten up the room, sometimes you're walking that line between humor and you're walking that line between, I don't really know what's going on here. I, I wasn't really sure of this decision. I mean, it was kind of a fly by the seat of the pants. Now, we don't know that, right? We don't know. We're only reading the tea leaves. We're, we're watching as this presentation unfolds in front of us. There were a couple of uh, uh, times where uh, Mark Murphy was asked, what if Matt LaFleur hadn't have done well in the interview? Where would you have gone from there? And, you know, Mark Murphy thinks about it for a second. He makes a comment to the likes of, well, let's just say, thankfully he nailed his interview. I thank God he nailed the interview. And everyone laughs. And, you know, it's a good thing they got the right guy, et cetera. But, but wait a minute. What actually was the plan if he failed his interview? I mean, it's funny. It shows that you're confident in your guy. But 
maybe behind the scenes, you're also like, man, thank God he nailed that interview because I don't know what we would have done. You know, you walk that line, and I think Mark Murphy gets himself in trouble. And as we go through some of these sound bites from the press conference today, I'll maybe we can find some examples and things will jump off, uh, jump out of the speakers at you, and you say, hey, you know, Mark Murphy's trying to be funny, but really, we get a different vibe. So. Keep your ears perked up. Keep your eyes open for that as we go down the line. Matt LaFleur, I, I thought he handled himself fine. Dave Carney was bumming around here a little bit. Of course, mornings with Dave and Scrady, and we were talking about this a little bit. I was like, eh. He seemed a little bit deer in the headlights-ish. He, it, it was a very big stage. It was a very big moment. First time he's a head coach, and it is to the tune and the fanfare of a huge historic organization. A lot of eyeballs were on him today. A lot of ears were tuned in and listening. I, I think he wanted to get his feet under him a little bit. I, I liken this to the Wisco Sports Show started back in August. I have been doing podcasts. I've been doing blogging. I've been doing sports. I, I'm confident in my ability. I'm confident in my ability to talk on the radio and have conversations with listeners and answer phone calls and do all this. I'm confident in my ability. But still, on the first day when this show launched back in August, I was, whew, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of butterflies. You know, you're, you're getting into the routine. You're getting used to everything going on around you because it's that first time. Malafleur, I'm sure he's confident in his X's and O's, and he's confident in his sayings and mantras and how he wants to go about things. But sometimes when you're doing something for the first time, like give a press conference, an introductory press conference, first time as a head coach, it's hard to communicate those things clearly. So as we, once again, listen to some of these sound bites from Matt Lafleur coming up, that might jump out to you a little bit. He's confident in his football ability. He's confident in where he's come, coming from, and he knows what he wants to do going forward, but Man, he having a little bit of trouble getting his words out, talking clearly without some oohs and ahs. So just keep in mind. And, and I liken that to the first time I was on the radio, Wisco Sports Show, back in August. I knew what we were talking about. We were talking about Brewers. I had it all planned out. I was ready to answer the phones if they rang. But doing something for the first time can be a little difficult. Brian Gutekunst, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what his role is in all of this. He comes across as an incredibly polished bright guy. He is not the extemporaneous speaker that Mark Murphy is. He does not like to joke and smile and have fun. He's there for business, man. At least that's how he comes across. And Mark Murphy kind of downplays his presence there. When Murphy was asked a question, he keeps saying things like, well, I'm sure Brian can attest to this, or I'm sure Brian would agree. Well, let's hear from Brian. Let's hear from the general manager and the leader of football operations uh, in Brian Gutekunst, right? I, I want to hear him. I want to hear him say it. Don't don't treat him as a, a right-hand man or as a as a son, you know? He refers to him, and, and Mark Murphy was thanking everyone in the search committee, like Russ Ball and Ed Policy. Ed Policy and Russ Ball are, are big pieces. Jason Wallers, the public relations director, those are big pieces in the way pa- the Packers operate, but, but they're not the general manager. Don't lump Brian Gutekinst in with Russ Ball and Ed Policy and Jason Wallers, who does PR. He is the general manager. General manager. Don't lump him in. Don't sun him, quote-unquote, and downplay his presence by throwing him in with the rest with the rest of the bodies in 1265 Lombardi. That jumped out to me a little bit. I'm impressed with Brian Gutekinds. He's polished. He answers questions clearly. He, he fields questions and he understands and he's not just spitting cliches. He's not rambling to ramble. He's not telling stories to be entertaining. He's not joking to try to, to fit the room. He's there to do a job and I like that. And I wish Mark Murphy would let him talk a little bit more. Those are my reads. Mark Murphy, I, I think, tries to be funny, tries to be entertaining, but sometimes gets himself in trouble. I think the moment was maybe, it was very big for Matt LaFleur today. And even though he's confident in himself and his football knowledge and maybe how he wants to operate in this team, he had a little bit of difficulty saying that clearly and saying it confidently today. And Brian Gutekinds, man, I don't know. I, he just, he, he seems like an accessory to Mark Murphy. 
And that bothers me a little bit because he comes across as a bright guy. So those were the reads that I got today. Let's jump into it. Let's hear from all three of these bodies. When we come back here on the Wisco Sports Show, I want to jump into a couple of these sound bites and a couple of really astute questions that were asked by reporters. And obviously, you know some of the topics that are at the forefront, right? We want to hear about Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. We want to hear about your relationship with Aaron Rodgers. All of that. I want to get to the most important, the best of the best from today's introductory press conference. Coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show, I'm your host, Grant Bills. You're listening to WKTY. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're having a good night. If you're just hopping aboard, we're just beginning to dig in to the Matt LaFleur introductory press conference. And we kind of started the show by kind of setting it up, right? Getting some contest. What does a, a press conference actually mean? What did uh, what did each body, meaning Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy and Matt LaFleur, what kind of vibe did we get from them and what does it all mean? And now I want to dig into some of these sound bites, but don't forget, 608-796-2558. You can always uh, jump aboard the five-star telecom talk and text line. Anytime on the show, anything you want to talk about. Toma Dan says, how can a person like Mark Murphy have such a prestigious job and be such a poor speaker? Terrible. He rambles on and says nothing. If his press conferences are an indication of his intelligence, the organization will go nowhere with this Yahoo in charge. Dan, coming out hot. Well, Dan, I I really like something that you said. I I do agree that Mark Murphy has a tendency to ramble. I I think he gets caught up in trying to be entertaining and tell jokes. And none of that is a sin. That's just a style of public speaking. One thing that you said that I'm glad that you said, if his press conferences are an indication of his intelligence. Dan, a press conference is a press conference, not all great leaders or public speakers. Watch a Bill Belichick press conference. Watch, I should use Donald Trump as an example, but I probably I probably won't. Look, press conferences are just, they're fanfare. They're just optics. They're just, they're, it's just a presentation. So I would caution you to connect and to correlate uh, Mark Murphy's press conference skills and public speaking skills to his business skills on the football side. They might both suck. We don't know, we don't know, right? Maybe Mark Murphy is just a dummy. How he got to this position, we don't know, right? He could be a dummy. But if he's a dummy, it's not because he stinks at public speaking. They would be two separate things, and I'm glad you uh, you indicated as such later on in your text. 608-796-2558. Let's actually dig into some of this. So Mark Murphy uh, was first up to the podium. I guess they all sat at the same table, but they asked Mark Murphy a couple of questions, and like Dan said, he likes to talk. I'm not going to indoctrinate you and force minutes and minutes of press conference upon you, but it is interesting and it is of note exactly how Mark Murphy and his search team, because he was in charge, What about this process? So one of the questions to Mark Murphy was, what were you looking for in a candidate? What did you want to find? Forget about Lafleur. At the very beginning, what were what was most important to you in your coaching search? Uh, You know, I would say, uh, well, first of all, the quality of the person and uh, what we'd heard about him, but particularly seeing him in person, you know, the quiet confidence. Um, The other thing I would say, you know, if you look at it, the way his career has gone and uh, played out, uh, it's you know it's very intentional. I think he's gotten uh, you know going back you know, uh, starting with Washington. Yeah, I think he had great experience there. Worked with a number of different quarterbacks. Uh, then the two years in Atlanta, uh, and then you know going to L.A. Uh, as the offensive coordinator, but. You know, I think the other thing that was key in our minds um, was, you know, it was a risk for him to leave uh, L.A. and go to, to Tennessee. Uh, but he did it because he knew it would help him become a head coach. 
to take on the play calling responsibilities. And, uh, you know, I quite honestly, if he'd stayed in L.A. with the kind of year they had this year, he'd be the hot candidate. He'd be flying all over the country talking to everybody. Uh, but, um, and I, I think the experience he had in Tennessee, there's no doubt, um, you know, that, that's made him a better coach. And uh, we think he's absolutely ready to be a head coach. Maybe I'm reading too much into this and I'm trying to translate and I should just take it at face value. I do like a couple things that he said. Obviously, you want someone who's genuine and you want someone who cares about people. Yada. We, all, we know that, right? You, that goes without saying. Something that he did say was Mark Murphy and assumedly the rest of the parties involved, Brian Gutekunst and Russ Ball and everybody involved in this search, they put some stock and they put some value into the fact that Matt LaFleur left Los Angeles because I, I, I think this is actually a really good point. I got to give Mark Murphy some credit. If Matt LaFleur stays under Sean McVay as his quote-unquote offensive coordinator because Sean McVay is an offensive-minded head coach, so it means less to be an offensive coordinator under a guy like Sean McVay or, or Mike McCarthy or Matt Nagy because you're kind of second in command. He left that situation to grow, to call plays on his own, to be in charge of his own offense and his own team, and, and they put some stock into that. They put some value into that. And I think Mark Murphy is actually correct. We got to give him some credit, even though I wasn't superbly impressed with his public speaking speaking skills. If he stays in L.A. and works one more year under Sean McVay and the team looks like this again this year, he absolutely is the hot-button candidate, right? I think there are more people involved in, in, in this search and more people seeking him out. I think that's a really good point, and i got to give Mark Murphy credit for that, and I'm, I think that's probably something that they valued. His willingness to leave a perfect situation to challenge himself and improve as a football mind and as a football coach. That's what I heard from that. that Mark Murphy and his search committee took some stock into that, saw that, and even though the numbers weren't great, even though the offense wasn't tremendous and the team didn't make the playoffs, they still valued that jump and that leap to improve as a coach. Let's actually go to the uh, to the interview itself. So now Matt LaFleur is brought into the fold. You interview him after interviewing 10 or 11 candidates. So he's your final interview. It was uh, taking place on Sunday, so just a couple days ago. What was that process like after the fact? Now, this is an answer that was filled with some oohs and ahs. And, and I think, once again, in his attempt to be an everyman, to entertain the room and to be real and to speak extemporaneously. Mark Murphy shows a little bit of incompetence. He shows that maybe he's in over his head. That's the reaction. That's what I take from it. I don't know if that's how he meant it, but that's how he comes across. Listen carefully to the way that Mark Murphy describes and the language that he uses in making this final decision after the Lafleur interview. And so we went through the interview. I, I guess I'd say a couple things about Matt. He was uh, the most prepared interview, the most prepared candidate. It was obvious that he'd really done his research. He knew all about our, our roster, uh, our coaches, uh, everything. And, and also, uh, he just was very genuine and very natural. And rather, it really felt like more of a conversation rather than an interview. And uh, so it felt really good. And uh, so uh, at, uh, after the interview, uh, Russ and Brian and I all looked at each other, and uh, we said, that was really good, wasn't it? And, uh, you know, so, and I said, you know, I, I think he's our top candidate. And Brian said, he's my top candidate. And then Ross said, he's my top candidate. There's something really, really important to speaking off the cuff and speaking extemporaneously, not reading off a paper or off note cards, but looking people in the eye, looking Packers fans and media members and writers, looking them in the eye and genuinely speaking. Not speaking off a page, but speaking from your own experience and putting it in your own words in real time. There's great value in that. But in his attempt to be, like I said, an everyman, I think Mark Murphy gets himself in a little bit of trouble here. A couple things jump off the page. Number one, when describing the interview, he, he kind of casually said, well, th that felt really good. Like, I, 
listen to this again. And uh, so it felt really good. It felt really good. Not the most regal, not the most official talk. That's not the voice. That's not the expression you want to hear from the man who's in charge of everything. So that felt really good. Like, I don't know. That didn't stick with me. And then describing how they actually made the decision process, right? Listen to this part one more time. Uh, Ross and Brian and I all looked at each other and uh, we said, that was really good, wasn't it? That was really good, wasn't it? Have you, have you never looked for a coach before? That's, that's the vibe that I get, right? Like, well, I don't know how this goes, but that sounded pretty good. He sounded like a good candidate. That, that was a good interview, right? I mean, come on. That, that sounded good. I don't know. You're trying to be that everyman. You're trying to speak off the cuff and, and describe your emotions and, and what went on in, in real verbiage and real words. But don't use those words. Don't say, hey, that was really good, right? You're supposed to know. That's the reason you put yourself in charge, right? You said you're this great football mind. You know, I know football. I was an athletic director. I've been around the sport. I played in the league. Yeah, that's all good. But if that's the case and you are who you say you are, don't use those words. Don't say, oh, that, that was really good, right? You're the one who's supposed to know. You put yourself in charge. You didn't say, hey, Brian, handle this. Or, hey, Russ, handle this. You are in charge. Don't look to those around you and say, that was good, right? You are supposed to know. And look, once again, it's optics. It's how we're reading it, right? Inside Mark Murphy's mind, he might be thinking, all right, I've done these interviews before. Uh, They're supposed to sound like this. I I thought we got hit a lot of good things. I was looking for this, this, we got this. But that's not what he said, right? He he said, that was really good, right? Ah, not good. Because I hear that. Packers fans hear that after hearing nothing but but uh, but posturing about how he's the best man to find this coach and he needs to be involved, yada, yada, yada. And that's that, that, that's what we hear. Those things, those things don't match. Those don't coincide. That, that, that what's jumped out to me. So that's the two things that I took away from Mark Murphy's interview. One was good. One was putting stock into something that wasn't a statistic or a record saying, hey, Matt LaFleur left a great situation, one that probably could have gotten him a head coach interview. Just stay under Sean McVay. That'll get you there. But instead, no, goes to Tennessee, challenges himself, improves himself. That was impressive. The fact that he spoke to that at length and made mention of that impressed me. Then he describes the interview, and I'm like, man, you sound like you have no idea what you're doing. And I don't know if he does or not, but that's how it comes across, right? That's what a press conference is for, for optics, for presentation. And I don't think Mark Murphy did a great job today. He did say a swear word, and I think that was an effort to kind of win the room back and to wake people up again. But other than that, you got to have some self-awareness. You have been posturing. You've been not cocky, but very confident in your ability to do the best job of anyone in that room to pick a head coach. And you're using words like, so that felt really good. And that, that was good, right? As you look over to Brian and look over to Russ, you're supposed to know. And your interview, your press conference today doesn't exactly speak to the strength of your coaching search abilities. That's what I took away. Coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show, we'll hear from Matt LaFleur. We'll actually hear from the guy in charge, the new head coach, the 15th head coach in franchise history, 100-year history of the Green Bay Packers, the 15th head coach, Matt LaFleur, introduced today at a press conference. We'll hear from him some of the interesting things he had to say. Coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY, 96.7 FM, 5.80 AM. I am your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning us in. Don't forget Bucks basketball here on WKTY tonight. They take on the Rockets, and it's not just your run-of-the-mill NBA game. There's 82 of them every year. This one, 
little extra meaning right now. Rockets are red hot. James Harden is on one of the best stretches I've ever seen from an NBA player, scoring-wise. And he's pushed himself right back, if not now, leading the MVP conversation. Giannis and Harden, the two favorites, and they're squaring off tonight. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Games on ESPN, Fox Sports Wisconsin. But you can listen here on WKTY as well, and you should listen on WKTY. We're talking about the Packers' introductory press conference for new head coach Matt LaFleur, the 15th coach in franchise history introduced earlier this afternoon. Now, the press conference was aired right here on WKTY, and maybe some of you tuned in. If that's the case, thank you. You're doing your homework, uh, and you brought some of that experience and some of that knowledge to the program today. 608-796-2558. But we're picking through a couple sound bites that I lifted because I thought they were interesting, whether it was a really good question, a really good point, or something that jumped out to me for one reason or another. At the beginning of the show, we kind of provided some context. What's the meaning of a press conference? We're not really here to to figure out X's and O's and what assistance he's going to keep on versus what's he going to fire. You know, we're, we're here for big picture ideas. You know, who are you as a person? What's your thoughts on the current situation in Green Bay? You know, maybe have you reached out to Aaron Rodgers? Big picture things like that. You're not looking for details. It's all presentation. It's all optics about the Green Bay Packers organization. And how did these speakers, specifically Gutekunst, Murphy, and uh, Lafleur, how did that reflect on the Green Bay Packers? So we just wrapped up talking about Mark Murphy. Now I want to move to Matt Lafleur, who I, I thought seemed nervous. And I'm I'm reading Twitter and, and Facebook, and that seems to be the consensus as well uh, that he was nervous. Look, if you think Matt Lafleur is not going to be a good coach because he was nervous today, calm down a little bit. I mean, it's his first day on the job. It's his first day on the job of an NFL head coach. I likened it to my first day here on the Wisco Sports Show. I'm as confident in my sports knowledge and my talking ability as anyone. All right. I'm very comfortable doing this. I love doing it every day here on WKTY. But for the first time back in August, I showed up with all my topics ready to go. Uh, the phone was ready. I had everything in the, the studio ready to go. And there's still little butterflies, still still little nerves because you're doing something for the first time. So don't hold that against Lafleur today. I, I thought the room and the moment did seem a little bit big for him. But that's not because he can't handle it. That's because, possibly, it's his first day. We'll know more as time rolls on. Obviously, the first question for Matt LaFleur was, Hey, you, you got to coach Aaron Rodgers. What are your thoughts? Have you talked to him yet? How are you going to approach this whole situation? Here's his response. I did have the opportunity to talk to Aaron, and I'll tell you what. I, I, I cannot wait to you know, get to work with him. I think he's equally as excited. And um, yeah, there, there's a lot of work to be done in front of us, but... Uh, you know, just looking forward to that opportunity. Yeah, I, I, I would add um, Aaron was part of that leadership council uh, that Brian and I met with, and uh, his input was uh, part of the overall input we've received, but it was very helpful as well. So Mark Murphy interjecting there at the last second. Aaron Rodgers was a part of this. You know, we got, we got some input and maybe a little bit of a peek into Mark Murphy as well. Got to shoot his voice in. Got to answer a question. Look, I'm not trying to hate on Mark Murphy. I'm just trying to provide a comprehensive look at the personality and, and maybe the way things operate between Murphy, Gutekunst, and LaFleur. So LaFleur saying, I'm excited, Aaron Rodgers is excited, you know, and we're going to hit the ground running. You know, a pretty basic answer. But as you might expect, reporters, that's not enough. This is a big story. I mean, Aaron Rodgers' name is taking a little hit, as difficult to coach, as a coach killer. You know how I feel about that if you follow me on Twitter, at Keystroker Grant. But prodding a little bit more, how do you plan to form a relationship with your quarterback, and, and how are you going to handle Everyone else on your team as well, because it isn't just Rodgers. Here's LaFleur as he continues on that very same topic. Just like you said, I, I just think developing and communicating, um, you know, being in constant communication with him. And I mean, that's that's how you develop relationships. you got to get to know each other. Obviously, he needs to know that, um, you know, 
I care about the players I work with. There's no doubt about it. And, and it's not just Aaron. It, it's going to be all the guys. I want to get to know everyone, every every player on our roster. So something that's jumping out to me with Lafleur, and, and that's a great answer. He wants to build relationships, be honest, and, and know everyone on the roster. That's great. Um, that's something that you kind of come to expect from a press conference. Sounds a little glitchy. Sounds a little nervous. A lot of filler words. A lot of you know. A lot. A lot of hesitation. And I think part of that is nerves. I mean, I, I don't want to hold that against Matt Lafleur, but he did seem like the room was very big for him today. I'm not saying that that's going to translate into failure as a coach by any stretch, but it's you know just another one of those things that jumps out to us as we watch this press conference because really we're just getting a feel for the people up there, especially Matt Lafleur because he's being introduced to us. For the first time, wanting to forge relationships and and get to know his players, not just Aaron Rodgers. I don't just want to emphasize my quarterback and let the assistants deal with everyone else. I want to know everybody. I want to get to know all the players on the roster and forge some type of relationship in one way or another with every player on the 53-man roster. So I I thought that was a good answer. Look, it was a stock answer, right? You're not going to say anything else. But, you know, handling himself content-wise, his presentation's a little rough. He's a little choppy, a little nervous. But I'm not going to hold that against him. One of the things that Mark Murphy talked about earlier on in the press conference was we really appreciated that Matt left a great situation in L.A. with Sean McVay and went to do his own thing to grow as a coach, right? To learn how to be a better play caller and and form and scheme up his own offense and, and work with his unit as him as the leader, right? Defensive-minded head coach, I'm taking over the offense and everything runs through me, including the play calling. And they really appreciated that, even if the numbers weren't tremendous at the end. Something that uh, a reporter asked, I thought very astutely, was, what did you learn in Tennessee? Because as Mark Murphy says, and I kind of agree, if Lafleur stayed in L.A. under McVay one more year and we saw this offensive dominance and new fresh ideas... He probably would be one of the hotter names out there right now. Instead, the Packers are the only one approaching him because he didn't have a great year in Tennessee. What did you learn? Reporters asking, you went off here on your own. You left McVay. You went to go coach and do your own thing in Tennessee. What did you learn over that year? Because that obviously is incredibly valuable. Yeah, I just think without a doubt that I, I needed to challenge myself. And it would have been easy to stay in L.A. I mean, you, you, you look at the roster and, and you look at the success they're having there this year and um, it, it certainly could have been easy to stay there. I took the risk because I knew that I needed to get out of my comfort zone and grow as a coach. And, you know, the lessons I learned this year, I learned that football is not always easy. You're, you better navigate through some adversity. And I, I was proud of that. Um, you know, we went nine and seven. So by by the it, it certainly did live up to the standards that we'd we'd have liked. Certainly, anytime you're, you're not making, you didn't make the playoffs. I mean, that's what we're judged by: is the wins and losses. We had an opportunity to play, have a play-in game in uh, the last week of the season, and, and and unfortunately, didn't get it done. So, but I, I know that I would not be the coach I am today without having those experiences of, of this past season and just facing all. The, the adversity that we, we went through. Not to be cliche, right? Not to be that cookie cutter, you know, well, cliche is just the best way to put it. Not to be that guy. But this is what we were talking about yesterday on the Wisco Sports Show, right? The wins and losses didn't stack up. The statistics didn't stack up. It's what was going on behind the scenes. What were the lessons? What were the takeaways? What were the characteristics of Matt LaFleur and his offense in Tennessee? We know he dealt with injuries both to his quarterback, to his number one tight end, who is their their best option and weapon on offense. He had to deal with a lot of different things last year. They fall a game short of the playoffs, 9-7, and seven, which, hate on 9-7 and seven all you want. The Packers would kill for 9-7 and seven these last two years, right? 
What was going on behind the scenes? What did LaFleur learn? What did he show through adversity? That's what we talked about yesterday, and I think that's what Mark Murphy and the search committee that he put together between Gutekunst and Ball and and, and Wallers and, and Ed Policy, that's what they saw as well. That's what they focused on. And maybe they were the only ones to focus or maybe the only ones to care about it because the Packers were, like I said, the only team who brought him in, the only team to focus on Matt LaFleur and even offer him a job. Uh, Moving along, obviously there's been a lot of conversation about... Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and any NFL team looking for a coach just wants a piece of that pie, right? They're just trying to pick, even if it's the smallest, youngest piece of fruit they can find, they just want a piece off that tree, right? They, they want somebody who's associated with May, McVay or Shanahan or, or what have you. We want something like that. And people were saying, well, that's the only reason LaFleur has a job, and maybe that's the case. I, I don't know. But a reporter astutely asked once again, what makes you different from Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan? Because we know that you've been associated with them. You've coached under them and with them for a long time. What sets you apart, Matt LaFleur, from Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay? It's a fair question. I I just think, I know this. I'm going to lead. I'm going to be my own person. The the way I lead is going to be different than Kyle. It's going to be different than Sean. And I think the only way to lead is you better be true to yourself. Um, These players, they're extremely smart. And you, you better be real. You better be honest. Um, and that's that's exactly how I'm going to be with these guys. And I think, once again, a lot of cliches, some, some pretty easy fodder there for reporters. That's easily quotable. You know, got to be true to myself, got to be my own man, yada, yada. Once again, we're not learning any details. We're not learning X's and O's. It's a press conference, right? We're, we're putting up, you know, captions for an article on a website, or, or we're putting up something that can the Packers can, can flaunt uh, on their newsletter or something like that, right? And that's what a press conference is for. It's all presentation. It's all optics. But... It is a fair question, and I think Matt LaFleur actually began that answer by saying, hey, that's a fair question. How are you different from McVay and Shanahan? Because that's really what's going to prove the test of time into this hire is he's a guy who was brought up. He was not brought up under McVay and Kyle Shanahan. He came up with those guys from the Mike Shanahan coaching tree in Washington, and he obviously went his own way in Notre Dame and and caught back up with these guys. He isn't a McVay product or a Shanahan product. He's, to put it plainly, he's a puppy out of that litter. Right? How are you different from those two guys who have already had success? Shanahan in Atlanta and now in uh, San Francisco, although his first year was anything but a dream. And McVeigh with the Rams. What's different about you? What sets you apart? And, and I think that was a fair question. And something that LaFleur is going to have to prove. That he isn't just uh, a guy who worked with McVeigh and that's the reason he got a job. But he is actually his own coach who's going to bring different ideas and different things and approach constructing his offense differently. Speaking of offense, I guess indirectly speaking of offense, is the defense and the special teams. Because now, part of that crazy umbrella of responsibility of an NFL coach, even if, like Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy was never in charge of the defense, never in charge of the special teams, but he had to pick his defensive coordinator. He had to pick his special teams coordinator. All of that falls under his umbrella of responsibility. And even if Dom Capers stinks, and Mike Pettin, even if he would have stunk, or if Ron Zook stinks, which he does, and I can't imagine he'll be around much longer. Even if it's not Mike McCarthy's coaching, that falls on him because he is a head coach. Matt LaFleur is going to find himself in the same position. It sounds like he's going to keep Mike Pettin, no word on special teams or anything like that. But as he constructs the rest of his staff and he constructs his team the way he wants, he has a bit of flexibility to pick the kind of defensive coordinator who does what he wants or the special teams coordinator who plays in the style that he wants, even if he's not directly in charge of it. He's going to leave that up to the coaches. He's going to delegate. What kind of team do you want to create? And this was his answer, and there's a couple of things in here that jumped out to me, one that even made me laugh. Yeah, I want a defense that is ball hawking, that is going to create turnovers, that plays fast and physical, 
and really try eliminates explosive plays. I think on special teams, it's, it's very similar in terms of, you know, I don't want to be, I want to be sound. I want to attack matchups on special teams. <laughs> and we always talk about penalty-free aggression. <laughs> we want to make sure that we are playing aggressive, but we got to be smart. Oh, yeah. We don't, we don't want to put ourselves in negative situations. Penalty-free aggression. That's, I want that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> I want that on my car. I want that on the back of my car. Penalty-free aggression. And I think, uh, and I tweeted this quote out, and I tweeted it at WKTY as well, as long as my personal account at Graham because it jumped out to me, right? It almost seemed like a veiled shot to the way they had been doing things, which is not sound, missing tackles, and not exploiting matchups, and a lot of negative plays and penalties, especially on special teams, right? Preach aggressiveness. Preach a ball-hawking physical style of play, but you don't want it to be detrimental. You don't want to be so out of control and so aggressive that you're holding and blocking in the back and jumping off sides, and creating dumb penalties that just continue to set your team behind the eight ball, especially on special teams. And that, that's why it jumped out to me. Penalty-free aggression. And I think that's a good mantra, and that's something to go with. And I think his his talk about defense is something that fits the modern NFL, right? Gone are the days of the defense that are only going to allow 100 yards passing and 30 yards rushing. I mean, you don't pitch shutouts anymore. You pick your spots. You try to create big plays like sacks. Right, you you pick your spot. Well, now that we have him in a second and eighteen, let, all right, now let's force a punt, batten down the hatches. Here we go, or let's try to get a pass rusher free, tip a ball, and, and we'll get a turnover. Right, it, it's more about creating those those blow up plays, those sacks, forcing those penalties, and really setting the offense back and making them difficult because all the rules are geared towards offense. Right, all the gear uh, the rules are geared towards quarterbacks and receivers. You got to pick your moments. You got to ball hawk, and when that opportunity comes, you got to be ready for it. And I thought that Lafleur indirectly maybe was speaking about that, a new brand of, of defense that's not focused on yards and, and scoring and passing yards and rushing yards, but instead focusing on big plays. How can we force turnovers? How can we force fumbles and interceptions and sacks and, and force the offense into committing penalties? Stuff like that. And I think that, that if it's a new modern style of NFL defense. Example, the Rams, right? They gave up a ton of points. They gave up like 60 points on Monday Night Football to the Chiefs. But... They got a couple interceptions. Aaron Donald created those big plays where you go where you go for strip sacks, right? So your defense is even helping out your offense, even when they're giving up 60 points. I think that's a good way to think of it. More modern style of defense. We are way behind. We got to take a break and pay some bills, as Dave Carney loves to say. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. When we come back, I want to kind of tie this all up with a bow and give a teaser for things to come. There's something I want to hit on today, and I don't think we're going to have time. So we'll set that up for the rest of the week here as well. When we come back on the Wisco Sports Show right here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Hope you're having a killer day. Killer evening now, I guess. Bucks basketball this evening here on WKTY. Pre-game will get started at 6.30. The Bucks and the Rockets, the two leading MVP candidates. As it stands right now, James Harden and Giannis Antetokounmpo squaring off tonight. It should be a lot of fun. Bucks have got a couple of nights rest. I don't know about the Rockets, but I'm not a Rockets fan, so screw them. I hope they played last, I hope they played last night. That gets underway at 6.30 tonight here on WKTY. As the week rolls on, I I wanted to get to it today, and I just don't think we have time. I want to talk some Brewers baseball. And with this whole press conference today, we just spent a lot more time than I thought we would covering it. And that's not a bad thing, because now I feel as though we have a really good handle on where we sit with Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur as we try to learn more about him and the direction this Packers team is heading here in the next couple of months as we approach free agency in the draft. And then, holy smokes, we're going to be talking about training camp, and we'll do it all over again next year as Matt LaFleur's first season will get kicked off. 
we provided a lot of context today. The first segment we talked about, well, hold on, before we take any of this too seriously, let's let's get in our mind, what does a press conference actually mean, right? We're not looking for a game plan. We're not looking for, I'm going to hire Mike Pettin. I'm going to fire Ron Zook. Joe Witt Jr. is going to be made this position. Look, it's not logistics. It's not X's and O's. It's presentation. It's, I'm Matt LaFleur. I wore this nice tie today. I'm going to thank my family. I'm going to thank these people. I'm going to talk a little bit about how excited I am to work with Aaron Rodgers and what I've learned in previous jobs and what it all means to me. And, and that's really it. It's a reflection of the Green Bay Packers. It's like it's it's bulletin board material for them, right? That's all a press conference is. But we can take away a couple of things and we can infer. We can assume by what we hear. Mark Murphy, I I, I don't hate him. I don't love him. I'm still trying to figure out his M.O., He put himself in charge, but yet when he speaks, he doesn't seem like a guy who postures and speaks as somebody who's in a position of power. He's very casual. He's very off the cuff. And and for a guy who has reorganized everything in the Green Bay Packers front office to be in charge of everything, he wants the coach, the general manager, everybody reports to me because I know best. That's what he has said, right? But he doesn't make an effort to appear that way. And and I'm still trying to figure that out. And that's definitely going to be an ongoing process. And that's not ending anytime soon as Mark Murphy's position is set as the CNO and the CEO and the president of the Green Bay Packers. Brian Gutekinds, I don't know. I, I want him to be elevated. He seems like a sharp guy. He's a UWL grad, so we can all be a little bit biased there, right? He's UWL guy. He's a smart guy who's no BS. I, I listen to Mark Murphy talk. A lot of jokes. It's a lot of oohs and ums. Brian Gutekinds almost seems like, let's wrap this up. I'll give you what you want to know. If there's no other questions, I'm leaving because I have work to do. I'm not, I'm not flashing fake smiles. I'm not telling stories. I'm not here to entertain. I'm here to let you know what you want to know because I have to be. That's my job as a general manager. And then I'm going back to work. And don't bother me. That's what I get from Brian Gutekinds. And he comes across as very sharp and very in control, like he is in the correct position. Mark Murphy does not give that same impression. Once again, just what we see, right? Just what we hear. We don't know that, but that's how it comes across. And Matt LaFleur, I think the moment was big for him today. It was really, really big. First time as an NFL head coach. First time being in Green Bay, facing the media, facing writers, facing fans as it was broadcast here on WK2Y all over the Packers radio network, broadcasted on their website and on Facebook. Everybody was watching. This is the first time in 12 years the Packers have had a new coach and only the 15th time in the 100 years of Green Bay Packers history. It's a big day, so I'm not holding that against him. But he did seem like the moment was big. He, I thought he had a couple of points and a couple of sayings he wanted to use and hit. And I just don't know if they came across like he wanted. Just trying to fight through it for the first time. And I I don't have any doubt. Maybe you do. But I don't have any doubt that that will improve. He will appear more in command of the situation. And this is a guy, I think, who who does have a bright future. Maybe that's my Packer fandom. And maybe I'm looking at it through green and gold glasses. Maybe. I'd, I'd like to think no. But maybe. And, and you're entitled to that opinion as well. I, I think they got a good one. I'm excited. Could he fail? Yeah, but I'm excited to see where this team is going. I think they're better taking a shot with a guy like Matt LaFleur than they were hoping that somehow Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers could reconcile and start working cleanly together. Uh, together, together, together again. There we go. <laughs> I'd rather put my eggs in the Matt LaFleur basket than the Mike McCarthy basket, and I think that's what it all comes down to. So thanks, everyone, today chiming in on the five-star telecom talk and text line. Uh, tonight, like I said, Bucks get underway at 6.30 in about a half hour. Huge game tonight. 82 games in an NBA season. They're not all important. This one is, especially if you've been tracking the MVP progress and odds for a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo and James Harden, who is 
in the middle of one of the most brilliant stretches of scoring that I've ever seen from NBA basketball in my lifetime. So he's a one-man show. You're going to tune in to see him and this game tonight between the Bucks and the Rockets. 6.30 pregame gets underway. Pregame coverage here on WKTY. Tomorrow, we're going to continue the Packers talk. Don't get me wrong, and I'm, I'm excited to do so. I'm not getting worn out. There's a lot to talk about. And anytime you fire and hire a coach, and now the coaching staff has to be designed and and maybe what the scheme will look like going forward. That will impact the draft. That will impact free agency. It's a big laundry list of things that we're going to be covering the next couple of months. And I'm excited, but I'm also excited tomorrow to talk some Brewers baseball, which I wanted to do today. We just ran out of time. Brewers involved in a couple of trades, not just speculation, but legit players being named and legit teams being named, which is rare. It's not happening very often. The wheels are turning down in Milwaukee for the Brewers, and I want to talk about that, specifically a couple of trades they've been rumored with. More than rumors, but actually names and teams falling out. So we'll have that conversation tomorrow as we continue the Packers talk as well. A whole lot of fun. Uh, Bucks action gets underway in a half hour. Tune in. Enjoy. Other than that, same time, same place tomorrow here for the Wisco Sports Show. I'll talk to you then.